0: Welcome to Celebrity Book Club. This is a podcast that recaps and celebrates the memoirs of female celebrities. I'm your host, Chelsea DeVantes. I am the head writer of The Problem with Jon Stewart on Apple TV+. I'm a comedian, I'm a filmmaker, and sometimes I'm in stuff too. Now this week we have a very special mashup episode in the vein of... Bert Reynolds and Lonnie Anderson, we are reading Rob Lowe and Melissa Gilbert's memoirs. Rob and Melissa were together for six years. They were all over the magazines. They were a hot couple. Melissa was half pint on Little House on the Prairie. She almost ran for Congress recently. Rob was in the movie The Outsiders, all kinds of other things, West Wing, and both of them were in the infamous Brat Pack. Now, there is such a insane twist I found when reading both of these books. And I just need to get to it and discuss it with my guests because I'm I I we just have to get to it. Okay, so our guest today is the absolutely incredible Paul Shear. You know him from The League, Black Monday, Human Giant, his podcast Unspooled, which is so good, and his podcast, How Did This Get Made, which I just laughed my ass off about. Uh, Paul, hi, thank you for coming on.
1: I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Chelsea. First of all, let me just say that not only do I think you do an amazing job on the show, but I love a good memoir. And so when you started doing the show, uh, you just hooked me because this is where I spend a lot of my time and and reading a a good memoir.
0: I... I did not realize what a memoir fiend you are until we started texting about this episode. And I realized you read, you read as many memoirs as I do. You're like constantly reading memoirs.
1: I find it really interesting because I think that, I think that there is this energy where it's like, I need to tell people my story. I'm going to put this down. Like people will remember me because of this. And I'm fascinated by memoirs that are too early or memoirs yeah. that have nothing to say. For example, the memoir I was obsessed with, uh, and I haven't even talked to you about this, um, was, and this is such a deep dive uh, kind of reference, but Jamie Kennedy was oh, one of the actors on screens. Remember this? So Jamie From Kennedy the, wrote yeah. a memoir called, like, X Marks the Spot, which was off of the success of his prank show, like, You Got Xed." would uh, yeah. And yeah. so he wrote a memoir that was, at that point, um, in his career, very little had happened. Like, you can't write a memoir yeah. at, like, 24, um, you know. And and, he,
0: it, and yet he did.
1: Yet he did. And I, and so I'm equally fascinated by memoirs like that that are right out of the gate. It's like, oh, you are successful. We're going to give you a book deal. And then we're racing this thing out to press. But then, conversely, this is the memoir, the one we're talking about today, that I recommend to Everyone, The Rob Lowe memoir. The Rob... Because in my opinion, the Rob Lowe memoir is very akin to, like, the kid stays in the picture, but a little less slimy. Um, Like, the perfect Hollywood tale. It's got all... Like, he (laughs) knows while you're there. He knows everything that you want to hear. And he's just... Like, he's just spoon-feeding you these celebrity reveals. And... Uh, you know, and it's done with like an old fashioned, like, and that person. Yeah, yeah. Was... Hollywood
0: throwback. Yes. Yeah.
1: There, there's a joke about Rob Lowe, and I'm sorry, I will let you talk. Uh, there's a joke about Rob Lowe uh, that he went to an NFL game and he wore an NFL hat, not like a <laughs> hat of either team, and that is a, just uh, NFL, <laughs> just NFL, and it's like passed around like as a meme online, and that in many <laughs> ways is what this book is, the 100%. NFL hat right? It's yes. just like the hat is Hollywood.
0: Wow. You are so right. Also, this is going to relate to a story in Melissa's book where he tries to meet her and he brings a script as a prop under his arm so that she'll oh, wow. know he's a writer, which is, yes. is very akin to the yes. NFL hat as well. Yes. It's interesting. Um, okay. I cannot wait to dive in to this book then. Cause yeah, you were like, we got to do Rob Lowe. I tried to read Rob Lowe's book uh, after college. Mm -hmm. I was like in the library, in the memoir section. I was like, Rob Lowe. And I I stopped. And so I picked it back up for this podcast Seeing like maybe some time has passed. So, okay, before we dive into it, I introduce all my guests with the story of how we first met. Paul, do you remember how we first met?
1: You know, this is really interesting to me because I really feel like where I connected with you the most... Was at Little Dom's at at a birthday party. Yeah, that's where yeah. I feel like we really got to talk. Um, but I knew of you, and. But no, when did we first? Like, well, tell me, because don't no, I'll be embarrassed if I don't remember. But, no, yeah. no,
0: no, no, no. This is is it's not a trick question. Uh, I I always try and remember too. So I like revered you at Upright Citizens Brigade oh in New York City. So I'm I was just like such a long time fan. So also the first meeting is blurred for me because like I I was like watching you know you perform yeah uh, live for so many years and then maybe we met on set of Black Monday when right. yes, Yasser yes brought me in and we were like you you're just such a like you immediately do bits with people you're so kind you're so welcoming oh, you're, you're not say- i mean you know a lot of people are like this is my territory or whatever and you're just <laughs> so the opposite of that hollywood stereotype it was like the most wonderful
1: encounter well i just remember when we went out to that birthday dinner i was thrilled that we were placed next to you, or however that happened, like, I felt like... Oh,
0: yeah, we were across from each other. Yes. And I was like, oh, no, Paul has to sit across from me. What no. a bummer for him. <laughs>
1: that is, like, that was my dream. Uh, and yeah, and I'm just, uh, I'm a huge fan of yours. So, uh, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, my God, so I can't even it's take that. so great. It, no, it truly is. And like, and I feel like I... You know, just from following you and listening to your podcast and 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 seeing your work, it and we've gotten to do stuff uh, even on uh, on my Twitch show, and I just I just everything that you do and the way that you do it is so open and wonderful, and uh and it's look we're positive people, and I think uh, what better uh, person we're I know we're talking, we're doing a twofer with Rob and Melissa, but I mean I feel like both of them are pretty positive people.
0: You're very. You're so right. You're so right. What a perfect connection. Yeah, I know. Okay, so okay. Even though
1: I will say Rob Lowe is an alcoholic for most of the book, like
0: and yeah, and so is Melissa. Yeah,
1: so like that is like not even. And Rob Lowe has the sex tape. Both things are kind of like. Just like oh, it's like a, like a sprinkling of oh yeah, and I was a drunk for those twenty years. You know, it's it, like yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a it's like when you go to Starbucks and you're like just a half shot of hazelnut, a half pump. It's like yeah, it's just like a a little just like a yeah. Q tip of a, a story, even though it was huge. Um, I will say this. So I actually I wasn't super looking forward to Rob's just because I tried before, mm-hmm. but then I read it. I was like, okay, oh my god. Then I read Melissa's, and you know when you're. On a plane and someone like starts screaming or like hitting the chair and you're like, oh my God, the plane. And you realize like they're just watching a sports game right, but, Like yes. on a plane and screaming like a crazy person because they can't contain themselves. That was me after I read both books. Like I was oh, up and wow. walking around. I was texting you. I was like, oh my God. Um, so I want to give the listeners, let's do Rob's first. Yes. Then Melissa's so they can experience what uh, I also experienced.
1: And so- I will say this too, uh, and I'll be very honest in my connection to the Rob book. And I think the reason why I love the Rob book as much as I did was because I listened to it as an audio book. So it was that Rob, really changes things. It yeah, it does. It really, really does. And I, and I often will find myself listening to, audio memoirs because it does feel like I'm having a one-sided conversation. They're they're speaking at me. Yeah, they're like a friend. Yes, and like someone like him or Brian Cox, when you're hearing it in their voice at you, it's a, you're, I don't know, I felt incredibly connected. Like there's a, there's an energy there because he does, his voice is almost a performance.
0: Oh, interesting. Because doesn't he do, you said he does impressions of his friends too? Oh,
1: no, 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 no. That was a different person.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> That's good. Impressions. <laughs> no, Impressions no, no. in a memoir are always no, no, no. a real tricky area. Well, Will
1: Smith's memoir, audiobook, which I'm listening to right now, he sings in it. and, uh, and Wow, so
0: does Mariah Carey in hers. Okay, pretty amazing. <laughs> um, okay, so will you give us just an overall of Rob's life in the book? Just a, just kind of giving everyone the full picture of, of that journey. And then we'll do some highlights.
1: Rob Lowe, for better or for worse, is a Hollywood Forrest Gump. Like, that's what this book is. Wow. Like, he uh, was, you know, raised in a rich area of L.A., like that Malibu area, and then just happened to interact with every famous person from 1976 all the way through (laughs) the 90s. And still to this day, but the book kind of just takes you into the maybe early 2000s. Like, you know, um, but it's he is Zelig. He is walking in. You know, whether it's walking into a garage and meeting a weird guy who's making a sci-fi movie, and that guy turns out to be George Lucas, or picking up a girl for a date, and it's Cary Grant is the dad that he has to talk to. You know, it's like yeah. every, you are seeing every person in, it's 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 a uh, celebrity home tour of Rob Lowe's life. <laughs>
0: It is. It's the Madame Tussauds wax museum of a <laughs> memoir. Like just every person you could possibly see.
1: And not like super juicy, but interesting. Yeah. It's just oh. matter of fact. And I think that's the, this is the interesting thing about it. It's like, a, it's like, it's giving you a lot of, it's like, it's air. It's white yeah, bread yeah, yeah. and cheese. It's, it's candy. Like, yes, yeah. candy. Yeah,
0: yeah. 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 And and also, so the the storytelling structure of all these people, I will say almost every single one follows the exact same structure. And Marita Page, so um, he's he's uh, he meets this girl. His agent wants him to meet this girl. She's blonde. She has piercing blue eyes, and she says to him, "Acting is what I love." She says, her eyes glowing with sweet intensity. I hope I can do it forever. She says this, uh, and it's so honest that it moves me. Or at least until I'm an adult, she adds, laughing. We hug goodbye, and as my agent drives her away, I wonder if I will ever see her again. Twenty-one years later, I'm at the Golden Globe ceremony, nominated for Best Performance by an Actor in a Television Series Drama for *The West Wing*. I don't win that night, and while I'm disappointed, I'm thrilled when Sarah Jessica Parker oh, yeah. does win for her *Smash*, *Sex and the City*. She said she wanted to do it forever. I remember as she walks up to the podium,
1: and, <laughs> and that, she's always like, <laughs> "That is it! Like you've just nailed it!" It's like it, like he is a cha- like he is a champion of the art of acting and creation and it seems almost as if he blessed them all like and i saw yeah. them and they did it and good on them it's, it, it's and that yeah.
0: woman was daryl hannah
1: <laughs> and that
0: person was lavar burton like and i always knew and you're like wow what you just said of like he's a champion for acting i have another part i want to read where i just i wrote like ha 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 right next to it he said I've never agreed with the conventional wisdom that actors are great liars. If more people understood the acting process, the goals of good actors, the conventional wisdom would be actors are terrible liars because only bad actors lie on the job. The good ones hate fakery and avoid manufactured emotion at all costs. I said,
1: what? what? what are, are you attacking about? No, and that's like, and that's like this kind of roundabout way that he's talking. Like there is this energy where I, the the story that i remember the most um is when he is in the outsiders and yes. and there's a great passage in there and i don't have it in front of me but i can kind of describe the idea like he knows it's a very very big scene and he's been prepping for the scene it's going he's going to be crying and it's and this is his moment to shine and it really is can i get there can i can i take this moment because i know this is a moment and he does it and he scores and it's, it's, it's amazing. And the director of the outsiders who is, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, uh, you know, comes over and he goes, like, did we, did we get it? And he goes, yeah, now we're going to do a up. That was a, a, that was a wide shot. We were like a baseball field away. And, and he was like, oh, like, th- like, like, am I misremembering that story or that? Like, and it's like, oh, and then that also triggers for me. Like, how did you not know he was a baseball field away? I've worked <laughs> in this business know. For a long time, when the camera's in tight, you know, it's like no one's doing things. It's like,
0: physically there. Yeah, it's yeah physically yeah.
1: there. Like, so for him to be like, huh, to know that, like, also just spoke to me of like his lack of understanding of what acting is and how <laughs> to know. modulate performance. Because he was working on the movie up until this big moment. Like, he understood. It wasn't like right. he just came on the set. And a person who has literally been around Hollywood at every level, like, to be that surprised, like... For me, I never knew that they applauded for you at the end of like your run on a movie. Yeah, where so like
0: that's a rap on Paul.
1: Yes. So at the end of my first movie I ever did, they like that's a rap on Paul. Everyone applauded. And I was like, oh my God, I must have done such a good job. I must have really <laughs> killed it that everyone's applauding. I, you know, and and then only on my second job did I realize, oh, gotcha. They applaud for everyone. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's so funny because I I, I constantly kind of felt like he was. I felt like I was talking to the prom king. Yes. You know, and even when the prom king was like, "I was so poor, I didn't have a belt for the bar mitzvah, and I had to use a camera strap." You're kind of like, I don't know. I think you're the prom king. Like I, you know well, what I mean? like, like you know
1: what it'd be like, and then you like look at that camera strap, and it's a Leica camera strap, like you know the most expensive yeah, yeah, camera yeah. you could possibly yeah, yeah. buy. Like it's like that. It's like it's this weird. It's like. I'll be self-effacing. Like he will make fun of himself for singing and dancing at the I mean if you don't know this, a very famous like again another meme of Rob Lowe's career is like when he was dancing with Snow White at the Oscars. It's it if you have not seen <laughs> I this, you do clip, not know
0: this, oh, but I will post it on my Instagram. It
1: is a beautiful just the Oscars gone wrong. People have been saying the Oscars are broke. They've been broke for a long time. Rob Lowe dancing with Snow White is how they were. Maybe started to be broken. And you know, and he and he's self-effacing about it. Um, and he's self-effacing is like, well, let me just tell you. The one thing I definitely know is that no one was on drugs when we came up with that idea. So it's like, like he is like, I'll joke about myself. I don't have that much of a sense of. I have a sense of humor about myself, but it's like it's also so soft because when you get to the sex tape, it's so. There's no introspection, at None. all. None.
0: So, to go into that movie, The Outsiders. First off, yes. I haven't seen The Outsiders, and I now I know it's a classic. Now I yes. know I should. I haven't seen every, it either. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Every single man in Hollywood ever auditioned yes. for it, and every single man in Hollywood was cast. Mm-hmm. And. Only from the book do I know he played Soda Pop. Yes. There was another character named Pony Boy. And I was like, I fucking hate this movie. I'm sure I will I'm sure never watch it. No, I don't want to. I don't, don't
1: want to watch it. I have no desire to watch it. It's just like, ugh, any of those movies in the 70s made about living in the 50s? I'm like, pff, I can't go American Graffiti. Ugh.
0: Ugh. Oh, 100%. And then like at the, the OK, I wrote I wrote you can see I wrote I can't um, <laughs> th- this. This is the book. Back at the hotel, I punched Tom Cruise in the face. I hit him squarely in the nose and hard. I see his eyes water and blink, so I know he's stunned and in pain. He goes into a rage and begins to pummel me mercilessly in the chest and ribs. It's getting way out of hand, and finally, Emilio and Tommy Howell step in and stop the fight. We've taken to these nightly sparring sessions in the sixth floor hallway as a way to kill time, blow off steam, and prepare for the upcoming rumble sequence in the movie. And I was like, oh, uh, no. uh. And it's just like, you're just like, actor boy, fight club. It's so
1: un checked 80s male ego but actors too like these aren't tough guys like I believe that Patrick Swayze kind of comes off the best in this entire like <laughs> telling Yeah, because Patrick Swayze seems to be like yeah no 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 I'm not doing this like this whatever you all are doing like like it's like Patrick kept to himself very quiet interesting guy but these guys are I think we're trying so hard to be tough but you know look I love Tom Cruise uh you know as uh, personal life notwithstanding. I'm just saying like, as a okay, act- so
0: Scientology, God aside, uh, but Scientology, actor, yeah. yes. uh,
1: covering up Shelley Miscavige's disappearance, possibly death. Like, yeah, no, I'm not judging that, that terrible. But I'm just saying like, like these are, but he's a Hollywood guy. He's not a guy who's like, yeah. Oh yeah, I worked in construction for 10 years. And then I got in here. You know, yeah, even, yeah, like, yeah. Harrison has, like, <laughs> even Harrison Ford has like, even Harrison Ford has like that, that energy of like, I did something else. Like people didn't want me because I was just pretty. And yeah, I feel like yeah, all yeah. these guys in the outsiders were just very pretty. Like, very
0: pretty, yeah. very pretty boys just being like, we're rumbling and tumbling, we're playing a gang. Yeah. um, So ridiculous. And then, okay, so then we get to the sex tape. So first in the book, he starts talking about Roman Polanski and he's like, Roman Polanski was so great. This movie I was going to be in. And Roman Polanski's name is dropped like four times, like a lot, a lot of Roman Polanski, a lot. I, the book was published in 2011. Roman Polanski was indicted for raping an underage woman.
1: Years before that. Okay, like, Roman Polanski like, has been synonymous with, I think the, um, what I would say is the severity and the way that we view it has gotten worse. But even when it first came out, it was bad, right? So yes. it's only gone up. But at the beginning, it was still like, this man left the country. Like he is- like, He fled. He, he, he was fled.
0: guilty. And, and he's up to five- Five counts of alleged well, rape, I, I usually mean, with underage women. I, I mean, here's
1: the other thing I, I, I think we should just talk about too: is like there is something about the editor in this. Like, who is the editor, and why weren't these things flagged? Because yeah. first of all, we joked about it early, and we're not, and we aren't exaggerating. Every reveal is, and that person was Daryl Hannah, and that yep. person was yep. Stevens. Like, it it happens. Like so, it's even the repetition of that. I guess like maybe they leaned into it, but it doesn't seem like, it, no, like it you would it becomes never, You No, You can't lean
0: into yeah, yeah. It's like that's like a, a that's a storytelling twist you can do once. Yes, you know for, no, but for the right person and it pays off. Sometimes so like it's every twice time, in a chapter. Yeah. It is, and there's a lot of people being named. It is, it is, I do often wonder where the book editors are, or if in 2011, they're like, we don't care. But I, I will th- say it like kind of speaks to the book where it's like, I tell you what I want to tell you. Mm-hmm. And then when we get to this, okay, so I want to read the sex tape, Please. what he says about the because sex tape. Because I found
1: ha- this because I was too. like, yeah, yeah,
0: I was like, is this it?
1: Yeah. It's, okay. It's shocking. Here we go.
0: Yes. Okay. Well, he's talking about a movie he was in and how they have a videotape and they videotape things in the movie. Personal videotaping had rarely been employed as a gotcha device in movies, and Bad Influence used it perfectly. I related to it as well, since I had been videotaping almost anything that seemed remotely interesting to me. That's yep. That's his acknowledgement yep. of the sex tape. Yes. Then, then he says, uh, <laughs> okay, when, to- when Tom Brokaw leads the evening news with my personal videotape exploit from back in Atlanta, I know I've got exploit. a problem. Yeah, exploit, not sex tape. Mm-hmm. Never says sex tape.
1: Never says sex tape.
0: Yeah. When he's done with me, and the second story is Tiananmen Square, the first democratic uprising and potential revolution in the 6,000-year history of China, I know it's a doozy. Sometimes being a trailblazer is overrated. If the Kim Kardashians and Colin Farrells and all the like had let their video out into the zeitgeist before me, mine may have been met with a mere titillated shrug. But in 1989, it wasn't yet common or even possible for young couples to sext and Skype each other with nude tapes and photos. Okay, so then it, it uh, uh, and then he says, as I and a lot of people struggled to figure out how I stupidly put myself into this videotape mess, again, not a sex tape, I was approached by no less of an authority on sexual mores than Mr. Hugh Hefner. You had to do it, he said. The technology existed. Oh, God damn it. And then he goes on SNL. They're like, don't go on SNL. He goes on SNL after this, like, scandal. And then he's fine.
1: He's fine. Yes. and I, But here's the thing about this. Um I believe that while it was like, I remember the sex tape as a child. Um, like growing up, there were these shows like um, they, they kind of had the vibe of TMZ, but it was done with a lot more serious tone, like current affair and stuff like that, where they would go tonight, Rob sex tape. It was all tabloid journalism, but presented like Walter Cronkite. And that was on all the time. And you saw the blurry pictures in the hotel yeah. room, but it was, I think there's two things at play. One, he's a white dude, right? Yep. A white, straight yep. dude. Um, and it's like, hey, boys will be boys. And then second of all, he is in this rare air of this time where it is, it, 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 like, it is just boys will be boys. Like, and, the, and the fact of the case or the fact of the girl's age, the fact of what's been going on. is Wait, so, yeah. yes.
0: wait. We, we have to talk about that. Yeah. So- I went to look up the sex tape because I, yeah, I don't really remember. Also, I do want to say like 1989, this is somewhat close to when the Pam Anderson sex tape, it's within the same decade. And like, if you're not watching Pam and Tommy, but like what happens with that is insane because
1: absolutely,
0: and because she's a woman, but the one, one of the girls, so there's two women in the sex tape, is 16 years old, fully underage, fully, and he's 20 or 19.
1: But again, this is why I believe, well, two things there at play. Like I think the Pam and Tommy tape, and I can't speak to it uh in a, an incredibly educated way, but hit at the moment where the internet was exploding, right? This yeah, Lowe yeah. sex tape was not readily available. Like you would saw you saw these clips online, you saw these blurry clips. It is a VHS tape. I don't even know all the details about how it even got out. But there is this energy. I mean if it happened now it would be a, a comp- it would be a completely different thing but I do believe he just had this moment like this moment that he just was able to s- like sneak in before Things exploded another way, but no one ever talked about the 16-year-old girl aspect yeah, of it. Yeah, and
0: and he like settles with her out of court, mm-hmm. like p- pays of some, sure. he's never brought to charges. And now his talking point is that the sex tape is the best thing that ever happened to him because it got him sober and it got him to marry his wife. But it's really interesting because like, you know, that's a tough talking point when you remember it's an underage woman and it's just not.
1: Well, this is what I, I kind of wrestle with. He treats it like a sex tape. If you had sex with some willing people, it was not a crime. Well, I'm just saying like, let me, let me, I'm going to, I know it is, but I'm walking it back and going this way. Yeah. Like he's having consensual sex. He's taping it because he has a video camera. All these things in his mind are like, and yeah, I got caught with this sex tape that I made. And I think he thinks it's fine. The the tricky thing is he's 19, right? So in his mind, I guess he's justifying like, well, I'm 19. So she's 16. So what's the big deal, right? I mean, right, right. But it's also like a power play, too. Like, he's a celebrity at this point. And she's a young girl. Like, it's like, I understand that maybe, yeah. like, an 18-year-old might date, like, a senior in high school might date a, a freshman. That happened a lot in my high school. Yeah, uh, yeah. But still, like, a celebrity there is more responsibility to be had, right?
0: Well, yeah, and then, it, you know, it becomes widely viewed pornography. Yes. Which is like, yeah, it's it's just so... But I think I think the thing that mostly gets to me is how he discusses it in the book. Like, yes. Like, all the court details, all of that aside, like, how he's choosing to tell this story is, like, with a just a, I don't know, like a brief gust of wind that that hits for a
1: page hey, and moves on. Well, that's, like, what you read there was probably about two paragraphs of a very large book and and for him not to even acknowledge i think it's oddly irresponsible that one of the defining things that you say change your life is viewed with such a lack of introspection that yeah. and and it's not like and I wonder if part of that is an NDA that they both had to sign because she was underage sure. and he couldn't speak of it. And they did settle. It. Yes. And he couldn't use certain terms or, you know, and maybe I'm sure a lawyer had to vet that. But it's tricky because when you call it like an indiscretion or my videotape antics or whatever term he uses, it is, I think it's written for all those fans of Parks and Rec. I mean, it probably is before Park West Wing, let's say. Yeah, that yeah. That aren't going to Google past it because you read it really quickly and it floats by. You're like, oh, okay. Right. Yeah. What What happened? Nothing. It doesn't seem yeah. like anything. It doesn't seem like anything. And I think that that's part of the that's part of the story.
0: You're so right, and but it does color, you know, colors the whole book and like sort of like how how much do we trust our narrator? Yes. Uh, you know what I mean. And I will say so. This is I, I saved it for the end, but on page four, mm-hmm. I read this paragraph and I was like. Uh oh. And I don't want to read it to you as you can yes. see. So he's talking to to John F. Kennedy Jr. Love it. And he's asking Rob about like should he, you know, should he lock it down with his lady or not? I put two and two together. Looks like you have a great girl. That's half the battle right there. She's obviously amazing, and if she's your best friend, marry her. You can do it. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't, that you're not ready, you're not capable. Come on in, man, the water's warm. I'm here to tell you it is. If she's your friend, in addition to all the other stuff, pull the trigger, don't let her get away. You never know what life will bring. And then a paragraph later, John did marry his blonde, Carolyn. I was glad for him and thought of sending him a note and blah, 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 blah. But I was like, are you a cheater? (laughs) Which is like, I want to say he and his wife are still married. They've been married 25 years. It, the whole book is kind of dedicated to her at the end. There's this huge love story about her. It, uh, but for some reason, like, you know, sometimes when people talk like that, I'm sort of like, are you a murderer?
1: <laughs> there is an energy here. And again, like, I remember growing up, I grew up in New York. John F. Kennedy Jr. was like uh, a big deal. Like, again, was on all those tabloid shows and him and Carolyn Bessette, Again, I may be talking out of school, but I remember seeing footage of them like screaming at each other in the street. And (gasps) like, there were a lot of like issues with the two of them. Um, Wow. I mean, that's at least my memory. And I'm not Googling, so uh, please fact check me. But if
0: we left it in the podcast, it has been fact checked. Okay. 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 Sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondry's podcast, Disantel, is hosted by comedians Sydney Battle and Matt Balassai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disentel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. I started this podcast because I have been obsessed with memoirs my entire life, and I can't believe it, but I got to write my own, and it comes out on June 4th, and you can order it right now. The book, you know, I was asked to describe it and I said it is an absolutely harrowing traumatic memoir but funny. So if that sounds good to you, order it. Let me give you some topics that are in this memoir. A female best friendship breakup. How I got my break into Hollywood. When I found out my dad was not my real dad. The time I dated a magician. Are those last two related? Who's to say? Read the book. Growing up in Utah. Growing up around cults. How I got into therapy. Listen, I could keep going. Each chapter title is a different woman's name in my life. Some are heroes. Some are motherfucking villains, but you know what? A villain and a hero, what are both of those things? A leading role. And we do love women in our leading roles. So pre-order the book. It matters a lot. I linked everywhere that you can buy it in the show notes, but you know, go anywhere. Also... I am reading the audiobook personally. So I'm personally narrating it. So if you like this podcast, get my longest podcast ever. And the audiobook is also available for pre sale everywhere you get audiobooks. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You are the reason I got to write a memoir. So thank you so, so much. Okay. So now we're going to get into the Melissa crossover. Yes. Um, now Melissa Gilbert's book, I really enjoyed reading it. I to the point where I was like, I got to give her her own episode. I can't, I can't believe she's tied in with Rob because I'm I, sorry, I,
1: I've take, I've, I've co opted her, her own no, flowers here. No, it was here. perfect
0: because I probably wasn't gonna read her book, okay. and then I did, and I was like so surprised. So may, maybe we'll do another Melissa episode, but before we get into that, I want to read. There are three mentions of Melissa in Rob's book, and I want to read all three of them. Okay, and then and then we'll go to Melissa's book. So. The first one is, he's talking about Splendor in the Grass and he says, it will be a television event starring the biggest young actress on TV, Melissa Gilbert, the star of House on the Prairie. And then he says he read for the part and didn't get it. Okay, that's that's one full mention, nothing more. Then he's filming Outsiders with all those boys. He said, so while I still hang out with my girlfriend, Melissa, and my high school buddies, I'm spending more and more time down the block at the Sheen's. Now, he has never connected Melissa to Melissa Gilbert. Right. He has never... That's the, that's the introduction to the relationship. <laughs> then, the last one is... So, one evening after a long, emotional day of shooting, Nastasia Kinski stops me in the hotel lobby. Rob, how about you and me tonight? Dinner, she says, fixing me with a laser stare, her massive eyes glowing. I've not really had much interaction with her, even though the film is halfway complete, because in truth, I find her intimidating. Uh, then he's like, oh, dinner with me. And she's like, yeah. And then he says, holy smokes. What just happened? Obviously, I know where my duty lies in this situation, but yikes. This is the woman whose dark, erotic, and nude performance in Cat People had me playing the cassette of the theme song over and over again. Also, anyone who could wrap herself in a python in her famous poster has got to be a force to be reckoned with. This is going to be some evening. And so began a wonderful, adventurous, and intense on-set relationship. We practically created our own world, working on an emotionally demanding and ambitious film all day, then retreating to each other at night. Clearly, it also meant the end of my already hot and cold long-distance romance with Melissa. (laughs) boy, oh boy. And although we would be in each other's lives on and off for some time, it would never be the same. The end, okay. Now I wanna read page nine of Melissa's book. Wow, okay. (laughs) Page nine, you know, we're we're still in childhood. She's talking about her mom and she says, one of the first times I recall opening my eyes to this was when Rob Lowe and I were planning our wedding.
1: (laughs) See, this is what, this is what we're talking about. Like this one line invalidates every story that we've ever heard in the Rob Lowe book, right? Because it's just, it's too clean. It's too. Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. So this
0: is when I'm up, I'm screaming. I'm like, ah. (laughs) So, um, uh, she said, our plans were becoming ridiculously overblown. We were even talking about renting out a soundstage and there were doves, doves. It was a whole production. Wow. So they like, do you think that he's a guy down the line?
1: Do you think he's a guy who will be like, Oh, Chelsea, I have never met a woman like you in my entire life. You are the, you're everything. And then like, and then you leave and go, Oh man, I'm so in love with Rob. And then he goes to like a party and is like dancing with like four other women. Like, like, is that like, that's what he feels like. He feels like he mistreats women by like, Almost showering them with too much love, but he doesn't even mean it. Like, and that's the lie. That's the acting lie. That's his acting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're right. And actors are great, lawyers. Yeah. I mean, like, I it, it is so crazy. I so first off, Rob is like a third of Melissa's book. Like, wow. Maybe that's a little too much, but like, he's in a ton of it, and, and by the way,
1: Melissa is married just so you know. Like, I mean, you know, Melissa's married three different people. So like Bo Brinkman, Bruce Boxleitner, and Timothy Busfield. So, like, he's not even one of the former spouses or current spouse, and he's getting that much uh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: because and also Bruce, the book ends with Bruce. It's written in two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. so I think she we we end when she's like, with Bruce, although i will say paul like it makes so much sense that like there's another marriage because i'm just gonna skip to bruce's thank you in the yeah. back of melissa's book it is so it's just like tons of thank yous to tons of people and then bruce love of my life there are no words for you all you need to do is look in my eyes wow. there are no words for you so, so that's where wow. you're sort of like oh i know i was like yeah huh, and then looked it up but um okay so give the overview on Melissa, then we'll get into the Rob relationship. Um, Melissa has a really fascinating story. She is adopted. She has a stage mom who's really, really intense in her life. And the story kind of falls off, but like her mom makes her into what she calls like a porcelain doll, like where you just, she just suffers through everything with a smile and like never shares her feelings. Mm -hmm. She plays Half Pint on House on the Prairie. She's like beyond famous. And then she and Rob Lowe are together for six years. Whoa. Um, yes, and she is in the Brat Pack. And then to get over Rob, she marries Beau, which is an abusive marriage. She escapes. She then marries Bruce. And then later in life, she tries to run for Congress as a Democrat and has to drop out because she like, has surgery, which actually made me really sad. And this is uh, a cookie crossover for the Drew Barrymore episode. Her ghostwriter is Todd Gold. Oh, Paul, I, I-,
1: I, I am so into <coughs> the... I very familiar.
0: Okay. I I was like, Todd Gold, you bitch. And like, well, because Todd
1: Gold also had an affair with her mom, right?
0: uh, That's my conjecture. Like, the the affair is at least through writing. It isn't in in the book. It's like, Jade is so tiny and gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, there is Um, something there that, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, but I was like, Todd Gold, God damn it, because I did enjoy this book, but there's things that are odd about it, and I blame them all on Todd, because I'm you, biased now.
1: Uh, by the way, I want to say one thing, too. Uh, you know, you, you don't, Similar tracks, and I just wanted to like, because we've talked about it before, Sarah Jessica Parker and Melissa Gilbert I also feel like they, they also were in like a similar like world. And we we're talking about like all these young starlets yes. that were kind of like square pegs a show that I've never seen, but people are like, like, they were all these like young, it was like a high school. Like we were, we were viewing this high school. And I think that Sarah Jessica Parker had the Robert Downey Jr. relationship, which seems also as conflicted as all of this.
0: Yes. Yes. And Brooke Shields, who we just did an episode about is mm. like one of, is like, Melissa's friend in the book, who she tells she lost her virginity when she's 17, like another high school. Like, it really was this crazy time in Hollywood where, like, everyone's connected, all these kids are coming up. It's wild.
1: It's bad. It's like, it's bad because it's like, it's at a point where tabloid journalism is fueling themselves on these relationships, these stories. So, what we even know versus what it was, but they really came up in a time where it was a sloppier thing. It wasn't like, you know, Elizabeth Taylor stepped out tonight with, you know, this person and did, you know, it was like, I know it's always been kind of shady, but this is where it got messy. I feel like this is the beginning of the real messy gossip.
0: I completely agree. And like these kids are also like, like when Melissa and Robert together, they're like 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. And they're like the tabloid relationship and like they're teenagers. Um, But Melissa has a really cool story, which again, I think we'll get into it in a different episode, but her adoption story is so cool. She's like from Hollywood royalty from the from the parent who adopted her. She's Harry Crane's granddaughter. Um her mom is in the business, but then she finds out later that possibly her adopted dad is her real dad, and he had an affair, and oh, that wow. affair baby became the baby her mom adopted, but she's not sure. Um, her, her birth story in searching for her parent hit so close to home. It was so great. Um, but also she, again, Todd Gold, you bitch. Her birth mom, named Kathy in the book, is spelled differently in the book.
1: Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> Kathy with a K, Kathy with a C. I said, okay. Um,
1: again, where okay, are so- the editors?
0: I know. Okay, so now I want to go to the Natasha story in Melissa's book, Mm -hmm. which she says, um, so in Rob's book, it's like uh, Natasha came to him and was like, we're having dinner, like so fucking sexy, like Rob has to go. In Melissa's book, he spends years being like, God, that girl is so fucking hot. That girl is so gorgeous. God, I fucking love her. And Melissa's jealous of her before he even meets her. Then they get on the movie and she's like, Oh, my God. Like they're on this movie together. Natasha's story is she's calling his hotel room. She can't get him. She keeps calling. Finally, the reception girl is like, do you want do you want me to page you to uh, Natasha's room?" And, like, takes pity on Melissa. So then she flies in, confronts him. He's like, I didn't do it. She's like, yes, you did. He's like, okay, I did. Then he talks her into staying with him. Oh. And he's like, please, I'll get over it. And because she has the stage mom who's kind of convinced her that feelings aren't real, she, like, stays with Rob Lowe. She calls Warren Beatty for advice.
1: No! <laughs> yeah.
0: And he's like, eh. And then, uh, and then... She cheats on Rob Lowe, thank God. She says, Joel Shoemaker calls Rob a shameless creature. Mm. And I was like, better memoir title?
1: Yeah, I like that.
0: Um, And then here's the big story. Rob breaks up with Melissa. They've been together like six years. Like, they're sweethearts. Six years. Six fucking years. And she Um, got
1: like too many paragraphs.
0: Yeah, like, Natasha's like acting roles got more description than Melissa. Also, Melissa is nice about Rob in this book. Like she says everything that happens, but she's like, great guy. We remain friends. But like, this is what happens. Rob breaks up with Melissa when he's like famous after the Outsiders. She's heartbroken. He dates Princess Stephanie of Monaco, of course. Then Melissa gets into a different relationship with an agent. She's like in love with him. Rob shows up. He says, please break up with him and marry me and he proposes to her begs for her back she thinks it over she's like you know what rob is my love of six years he says he's changed Mm -hmm. i'm gonna give him a chance let's get married she breaks her relationship up to be with him they're planning the wedding like the dresses booked venues booked like they are getting married she gets pregnant she tells rob i'm pregnant and rob immediately says i can't be a father I can't be a husband. I can't even be your boyfriend, and it's over. And he breaks up with his pregnant fiance.
1: Oh my god! And
0: ditches Melissa. And then <sighs> later, after they break up, Melissa then has a miscarriage.
1: That is wild.
0: And that's how he. And he doesn't Any wow. in, in his in his. I just like. I can't believe he'd skip over all that.
1: Well, I mean, be, yes, of course he is because he can't justify it right the story that is the story that's so easy to tell is oh and we had a great time but i was irresponsible and we just got you know it was like but to show this other side i i think about this a lot um and regardless of where anyone falls in their opinion of howard stern i think that he gets really great interviews out of people and mm. and when he, he sits on with robert downey jr he always kind of like tries to unpack the sarah jessica parker thing and i think it's interesting to hear him squirm Robert, because it's like, it's not the story that he wants to be leading with. It is an interesting story. And I think all these men that were in this time were professing their love and torturing these women because I think they just wanted to be liked. And not to say that this makes them better or worse, I think they were just young, dumb guys. And they knew, like, I wanna go off and I wanna, like, I just wanna win. I wanna get the part, I wanna get the girl. I will say anything to keep the girl, even though I really don't even want the girl. I just want the bragging rights to keep the girl. And I feel like, and they're all drunk and none of this explains any of it away. It just, I think it shows like why it was so duplicitous. Like, I mean, without it being like, it's not physically abusive. It's emotionally abusive. And, and I feel like these women for the most part were like, at home, like waiting by the phone going, oh, I think he does. And you know, he wouldn't show up for a week. We don't know where he is. And it's so, like, you can't sugarcoat. Oh, yeah, and I totally messed up. You know, I totally messed up Melissa Gilbert. I told her I was going to marry her, but I didn't know what I was talking about. I just didn't want to, you know, whatever. It's like, yeah. And
0: also, he might have married her, except she got pregnant. I mean, he bailed right. He bailed on a fully pregnant woman who was... Of course, months into planning a wedding with him. Like, and and no, no, he couldn't even be like Melissa, great woman, cause she takes him back. She stays his friend. He tries to visit her after this. She eventually is like, we need to part ways, but she's, she's like very kind about this relationship despite what she's describing. She's also, they're both dealing with substance abuse during this time. I just like, I can't believe he, also her book was written first. Her book was written in 2009. two thousand okay. nine. Two years later, he just erases it.
1: But you see, like this is why I go back to, and you and I were talking about this over the over text. It's like I definitely enjoy a cringe memoir in the sense of you think you're doing yourself a service, right? You think like I'm going to paint my picture, I'm going to tell my story, but what it comes off as is 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 cringy, you know, and um, and I think. What he's doing is not telling the Rob Lowe story. He's creating the Rob Lowe legacy. The Rob Lowe legacy yes, has no room so for any of this. This is yes. not a story of Rob Lowe's life. This is the version that Rob is going to tell. This is the sugar-coated, you know, and that and that to me, and that's the difference between a good biography and a and a bad or a memoir and a bad memoir. Yeah. It's like yeah. you know, it's like this is to, this is for the statue. Like this is for the You know, and I think we've, we've, we've seen it with Kobe Bryant, like the way that people like, oh, well, well, but, 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 you know, and it's like, well, yeah, it's like, this is, we want to create this other image and that's what they're going to do. And like the West Wing Rob Lowe and the Parks and Rec Rob Lowe and all this other stuff is not, this narrative does not fit into that narrative.
0: You're so right. And, and actually a story that, that really um, shows that very well is, I can't believe, okay, I have to talk about the Jane Fonda story and I'm going to read what he says and then I'm going to read what Melissa says. Okay. He says, "Now years later, the Hollywood political machine has taken note of my expanding public profile. My early acting heroes had almost always been activists, Newman, Betty, Redford. And so when the call comes to join Jane Fonda for a coffee and discussion at her home, I am just dis- I'm excited to go. Not only am I predisposed to take interest, but Hollywood" Hollywood activism seems like an esteemed mm. tradition, mm. like as if it's a hobby to be a Hollywood activist. Like, it, it's just so gross. And so he's like, I go to Jane Fonda's house, all this incredible stuff. Like, I, I am Robert Redford, my political involvement. Here's Melissa's exact same story. After we wrapped and we were back in L.A., Jane Fonda decided it was time to mobilize Young Hollywood. She had a function at her house that Rob and I attended. So he cut Melissa out of this party story. Wow. He, he, he's wow. like, oh, it's, a dis- it's me. It's just me going over there. It's like, no, it was a ton of people, including Melissa. Melanie Griffith and Ed Bagley Jr. were among, among the others there. Ed convinced us all to cut up our gasoline credit cards to protest something. Melissa. Pairs of scissors were passed around the room. I snipped my chevron card in half. The next morning I called my business manager and asked him, asked him to get me a new one. So she's just like, it was just this weird thing. We went to a Jane Fonda's house and he's like, the Hollywood legacy extends to me. And then
1: Oh my God. You know, it's so funny. And by the way, I just want to give a shout out to Jane Fonda, who I have gotten to know in the, in the time that my wife has done um, Grace and Frankie, and still doing that. Like I was at a a gathering at her house and I and I got arrested with Jane Fonda or I got arrested near Jane Fonda. Uh and I love that you know and and I've loved her book that she just wrote as well but she's written plenty of books yeah. as well. But um yeah. but uh yeah, I just love that. Like even back then, she's like, "Let me get these fucking idiots with their head. Let me get their head on straight here." I, I like that she was like trying to activate this core of dummies. Uh, and I know, I mean I that. Know. I use that loosely, but uh, but yeah. And
0: also Ed Bigley Jr. Like I I I have uh, such the honor to know him, and like he has been fucking fighting for years. To end uh climate change. And yeah. he like he also doesn't get his due. And here he is in this story. Anyways, but it it was just it really, it really made reading Rob Lowe's book so enjoyable to follow it up with Melissa's. So I highly recommend to anyone who wants to go on that I, journey. I'm kind of
1: blown away by that because look, again, I think this book is written for people who are just checking in with Rob. Right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. there are a handful of people who are like, I love them in the outsiders, but this book. Was for the West Wing fan, right? That's what that like, that's where his rebirth really happened, right? And then he leaves West Wing, right? And then he goes off to make his own show, which becomes incredibly successful as well. And then he leaves that show to go to Parks and Rec. And now he hosts a Parks and Rec podcast, a recap yeah. podcast. Yeah. And he does these interviews as well. I think that what Rob has kind of figured out is, and I've, I've noticed this with a, a handful of people. That some people like to be like Hollywood ambassadors, like I am Hollywood, yes. and I am like I am continuing this trend. We'll go to Musso and Franks. We'll do not to say that that's anything wrong. Which, there. By
0: the way, I hate that restaurant because I was like, oh my god, I at Musso and Franks, and then I was like, this is the most disgusting meal I've ever had in my life. Yeah,
1: it's like you know what? Like I get like why people want to go to like Smith and Wolensky's or like or Peter Luger's because. Their their menu is very good. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like Musso and Frank seems like you're just going there for an atmosphere of like what the sixties thought was good like food. Old
0: Yeah, old moist red leather and yeah. the idea of steak.
1: Yes. Uh, bizarre. Um and not to say that any of this stuff is like. Well, look, it's interesting because whenever you write your own memoir, and I'm sure you deal with this all the time. It's what you want to put out there. It's like this is my legacy. This is how I want to be remembered. If anyone reads of it, like, I'll I'll be the final word on me, um, yeah. instead of somebody else doing it. Um, but it's it's hard. It's hard if you. It's I I think it's very few people want to be unvarnished about what they did. And and as somebody who writes uh, as well, you know you want to be protective of who you are now and and what you want to answer for. And 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 uh, and I think it's a it's a tricky. It's a tricky well, thing. I,
0: I also think like the genre memoir is telling your life story mm-hmm. and it does require introspection and you're going over the events. If you don't want to touch certain things in your life, fully respect that. But now you got to do an essay collection. Like you don't get right. to do
1: a memoir. Well, that and, 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 and I don't think that everyone deserves a memoir. Like I, and That's I don't. So
0: if this podcast has proven anything, yeah. that is definitely true.
1: Well, I think it's New all, merch, not everyone yeah. deserves a memoir. Yeah, not everyone deserves it. And it's like, And you may, and I think there's a difference between, uh, and I've learned this too, like in talking to different people and working with different people, like there's a difference between a good party story and there's a difference between like a great chapter in a book or a great essay in a book. And and, And it's, and I think sometimes when you have people that are, I will just say it out loud because I think I'm dancing around it a little bit in my mind, Will Smith is the same way. Like Will Smith, like you're writing this memoir, but you're like, he is going deep, but then it's like, like, I see where you're going deep and I see where you're pulling back. I'm like, I'm watching him gauge the, you know, the in and out. And it's, and it's a tricky, it's a tricky level, but you can kind of start to smell it. Like, okay, you're going to give me all this. You're going to spend a lot of time talking about your dad and how all your dad's problems and, and your response to them are going to be a little bit less. Like I, I tried to do this to get over, but it's like, Put a few arrows at myself, but not, I'm not gonna fully. Yeah, I'm hard. not gonna go there. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, but then, but then you're not ready for your memoir. You're not. You're just not. You're just not. Um, Paul, this was so fun to talk about with you. I um,
1: love this. I've I, I now want to read most of Gilbert's book. I've, I, I feel like we definitely have, you know, we've definitely turned a corner on Rob Lowe. And again, as a book, I recommend to many people to read because it's so, well, to listen to, I think that yes. really, I think yes. that really is the distinction I want to make. If you're in the market to listen to a very funny audiobook, it that that will do that will scratch that itch.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I think that's I think that's a a, a great call and a very. It's a Hollywood, real Hollywood book. Um, we end every podcast with something I call the book test. Yes. Um, and it has three questions, and we'll do it for Roblo's. Okay. Did the author share his truth? Well, no. Yeah, absolutely not. Two, was it entertaining? Yes. It was, yeah. And three, did reading the book elevate your life in some way?
1: Hmm. Okay. When I listened to this book, it was audiobook, and I was driving to and from work, and it was a very stressful situation that I was coming to and from work from. And it made me laugh going to work and coming home from work. So in that way, it did improve. Like, it gave me, like, it gave me an excitement to get in the car. And it, it made me laugh going to work. And I want to, I want to revise my answer to number one. Did he tell his truth? In his mind, he did.
0: Ooh, no, I think he knows he's, I think, he, think knows he knows he's spit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because there's I mean,
1: a part of me that thinks like that OJ like has sold his own bullshit so much that now he, but like he wholesale believes it. Like, uh, you know, like, yeah.
0: I would say maybe, except after reading Melissa's book, like the fact that he didn't even give like one sentence to who this woman is was like insane to me. Yeah. Insane to me. And her book came first. Again, her book came first. He just like pretended it didn't happen two years later. It's so crazy. (laughs) That is wild. Um, And I will say, I'm going to do Melissa separately on another episode. Paul, maybe you could read it. See if you love it. I mean, I will come Um, back
1: whenever. Uh, Yes. Okay, good. This was such a thrilling uh, chance to talk to you about this book. And I think through my conversation with you, I look at this book very differently now.
0: Oh! Well, I'm so thrilled. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, Paul, tell everyone where they can find you online and what shows they can listen to in the podcast yeah, world. Basically, I, if I'm they just, don't, they'll
1: be fans. No, I am at Paul Shear pretty much across all social media, S-C-H-E-E-R. And then from there, you could find other things. But there I got a lot of stuff. I got podcasts and Twitch shows and TV shows, whatever it is. Uh and and, and yeah, if you just yeah, you'll find the thing that you like and maybe you may or maybe you won't. But either way. I appreciate that you listen to me now.
0: Oh, I love that. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. I'll see you soon. All right. See you later. That's all for this week's episode. And if you want even more Celebrity Book Club episodes, join our Patreon for just $5 a month and you get an extra bonus episode every month for just $5. We just did Viola Davis's memoir as a bonus episode. Holly Madison's is coming up. We did Jamie Lynn Spears. All of those are always available the moment you sign up. We also have a pay what you can option because I'm cool like that. And the Patreon keeps our podcast going. We are fully independent. We have no husbandgers. Um, I guess our husbander is the Patreon. So if you want to be a husbandger, uh, you know, go to patreon.com slash Chelsea Devontes. It is also linked in the podcast notes. You can follow me on Instagram. For free at Chelsea Devantez. That is where I post about the books before we recap them on these episodes, and we have a super fun discussion in my DMs, kind of like a real book club. There is also a Facebook group, Celebrity Book Club Podcast, where we get more in depth. And on the Patreon, we have um, a higher tier for a private book club if you are a super hardcore cookie. A very special shout out to our producer, Kate Downey. She is amazing. And our episode engineer, DJ Bouncy House, equally amazing. They just helped us pull off a live show where we did the Judds memoirs. It was so much fun. If you were there, you know, we played Celebrity Book Club drinking bingo, finally. And um, we have a bunch of cool stuff coming up for you this summer. So stay tuned.